You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. All right, so let me see what we're talking about today. So we are, um, oh yes, all right, so we're still in our series of Acts. And I've been enjoying this. I hope you are. I'm having a lot of fun going through this. I'm learning something every week. Uh, I feel like God is changing the way I see the world. And I hope today he does that again. I hope he changes the way we see the world. When we left off last week, we had just been introduced to one of the new leaders. He wasn't the only leader, but one of the new leaders of this Jesus movement. Does anyone remember his name? Saul or Paul, right? And so he's one of the new leaders. And if you remember... Up until this point in the story, this is basically, and I've said this over and over because I really want us to get this. This is important stuff for understanding the rest of the Bible. This has basically been a story between God and the Jewish nation, right? But for those who are paying attention, if you've read your Bible, you're seeing that God is doing something with this nation that's going to actually one day invite more people into it. That what God is doing with one nation is so that he can open the doors uh, to the whole world, right? He's doing something through this. As a matter of fact, when God first calls this nation of Israel, his holy and chosen people, when he first creates this this people, he says this in Genesis 12.1. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Now, this last line is super important. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so God is taking one nation and one people, and his plan is to bless the entire world through one nation and one people. And if you keep reading the Bible, you see things like John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved what? Does anyone know what the text is? For God so loved what? The, The world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And then in Acts, we're going to see things like, uh, you're going to be my chosen people, and you're going to go to Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea and to the ends of the earth. So even though God has a holy chosen people, you can see there's a trend, there's movement towards doing something in the world. And that's what we see. And last week, we saw that he finds this unlikely leader named Paul or Saul, and this is what he says to him in Acts 9.15. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Guys, I need you to see this, the progression of the movement of the Bible. When when it started, and this is probably one of the things I say the most, but it's so important. When the Bible story starts in Genesis, we are walking with God in the cool of the morning. Our presence is unbroken between the king of the universe. And then sin enters the world, and so God's presence is removed from his people. We're cast out of the garden, but God doesn't want that. That was never the plan. So God makes his presence known through a nation, the nation of Israel. And then God makes his presence known in a little structure that they carry around. And it's my favorite word in the history of church words. They're in the, what is it? Tabernacle, yes. Yes, right? We love that word. And so God's present in the tabernacle, and then he's tabernacling with his people and all this kind of stuff. And then at some point, God takes his presence out of the tabernacle and makes his presence known through a person, God in a body. And that person's name is Jesus. Y'all are doing great so far. But honestly, most of these are softballs. It's going to get tougher. So, so he makes his presence known with his people through Jesus, who is the Christ, 
or the Messiah or the Savior of the nation of Israel. And so Jesus is God in a body walking around and people are with him again. And then Jesus dies on a cross, ascends into heaven, and he sends his presence in a new way through the Holy Spirit. And his presence descends on, on, a, on a group of Jewish people in a room on the day we call Pentecost, right? And then, so now, now you've got God's presence has gone being from one person, Jesus, to a small group of people. Then 3,000 people are added to their number. And so now his presence has gone from a person to a little room fully. Now 3,000 people, but all 3,000 of these people share something in common. Do you know what it is? They're all what? Jews. They're all Jews. So you've got 3,000 Jews who all have Christ as their king, and so he's doing something special. He's moving. But what we're going to see today is how this becomes the story of not 3,000 Jews, but 2.2 billion people in the most ethnically diverse movement the world has ever seen. And this is today, and I I love this so much. So there's a guy, and as you've been reading Acts, I think I'm covering 107 chapters today. So stick with me, because I'm going to move quick. There's a dude named Cornelius, and Cornelius is a Roman centurion. And Roman centurions were not exactly popular with the Jews, okay? They had occupied the Jewish lands. They were oppressive. They were were mean. They would sacrifice, you know, Jewish people, and they would crucify them. And it was just horrific living under Roman occupation. So there's a Roman centurion named Cornelius. And God gives him a dream that he is to call a man named Simon Peter. And so Cornelius has this dream that he's going to call Simon Peter, and Simon Peter's supposed to come to his house. This is not something a good Jew would do. You would never go to the house of a Roman. I mean, it would be, it, they're unclean. They're un, you just wouldn't do it. And while Cornelius is having this dream, Peter has a dream. And God speaks to Peter in a, in a vision or a dream, and this is what God says. This is Acts 10.9, and this, my friends, is the turning point in the whole book. So pay attention. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to a roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Isn't that weird? He fell into a trance before he ate. Normally you fall into the trance after you ate. But this is an upside-down kingdom. And so he falls into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Now, Peter's a good Jew, and so there's rules around what you can eat, and these are things he would never eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Here it goes. You ready? And, And the voice responds, do not call anything impure that I have made clean. Guys, let me tell you what, 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 the, what God is not talking about is food. He's talking about people. He's talking about humans. He's talking about Gentiles that the Jews have called unclean. And the voice speaks to Peter and says, do not call anything unclean that I have made clean. Don't, don't, don't you label those people, Peter. Those are my people too. And so Peter, he goes to Cornelius' house, and the whole family's baptized, and the party breaks out. Once again, God is on the moose. It's incredibly amazing, right? All these things are happening. And so what's happening now is this Jesus movement has been opened up to Gentiles. What has been a Jewish thing forever 
right? I mean, it's, it's the God thing, the Yahweh, the one God thing has been a Jewish movement. Now Jesus comes along, and even Jesus is still a Jewish movement. And now there's all these non-Jews who are joining the movement. So you have two groups of people who have hated each other for all of eternity, and now they're joining the same group. What could possibly go wrong, right? You know, th- this is Fauci has just showed up at a MAGA convention. Y'all, are y'all with me? Are y'all, are y'all with me? I'm, I'm going to make sure you understand this, okay? This is what is happening to make sure we're all clear, okay? I mean, th- this is th- the world has now been turned upside down. This makes no sense. These people can't stand each other. They can't stand each other. And now God has said, watch this. I'm going to put you all in a room together. And just kind of shake it up and see what happens. I mean, I love this. These people who hate each other are now in a place together. And God has had a reason for keeping Israel separate. He's been doing something. But in keeping them separate, at some, at some point the people began to feel like they were greater than other people. They, they, didn't, they didn't see what God was doing. And now God is welcoming in all the people they've always hated. And remember what these people are doing in this movement together, okay? In this movement together, they're actually investing in each other's lives. In this movement together, it's not like God isn't just saying, hey, listen, I want to give you guys a, you know, a 20,000 square foot building together, and I want the Jews to sit over here, and I want the Gentiles to sit over here. In this Jesus movement, they eat together. This is... For, for a good Jew, you want me to eat with these people? You want me to break bread with these people? You want me to let them into my home? And so he's, he's opening it up, and now he's telling our Jew and Gentile, uh, Democrat and Republican and whatever, you know, I want you all to sit together at a table, and I want you all to eat together, and I want you to share everything you have, and I want you to love each other, and I want you to be there for each other and provide for each other. And y'all aren't going to believe this. The people were like, ew. Mm. Because we wouldn't, I mean, we don't get that now because we're so united. <laughs> but for these people, this was groundbreaking, crazy stuff. That we're actually going to invest in one another beyond our political uh, ideas and our, our racial ideas and our socioeconomic ideas. Like, we're going to be one people. It was easy to love one another when the others were ones that I loved. But now you want me to love one another, and they're the other? <laughs> That's not my brother, right? These all were kind of rhymes, too. <laughs> that, was, that was just off the cuff. My podcast. All right, so here's what happens. What happens in chapter 11, guys, this is why I, I love the Bible, because like, it's so real, and it's so true, and it's so what happens to us. And so in chapter 11, what happens is exactly what you expect to happen. Watch this. Chapter 11, they, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, they had t-shirts, circumcised, <laughs> the circumcised believers with him and said, you went to the house of an uncircumcised man? And ate with him? So, so now they, the circumcised believers, have somehow found out <laughs> that Peter's eating with an uncircumcised guy. And I don't know how all this went down. It's not in there. But 
Somehow he, they found out, and so they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because an uncircumcised person meant he wasn't a Jew. That's what all that means. And so the, the good Jews are like, what are you doing with him? Don't, don't you know that Gentiles, that those are like Romans? That Gentiles have oppressed us? That we've been at war with them for a thousand years? Don't you know they crucified? This is an us thing. This, is, this Jesus thing, it's an us thing. It's not a them thing. Why are you inviting them into this? This is ours. What, why in the, if you invite them, it's going to change what we're doing. It's going to change the way we do things. Gonna, and there might be longer lines at the coffee, and then you know, we're going to change service times. It's going to throw everything off. You can't do this. What if they get in my seat? And so there's, there's panic, right? There's panic. Because now these guys are inviting them, them, whoever your them is. And if you don't have one today, you had one at some point. Maybe you've been cured, but you, they're now in our thing. They're now in my house. They're now in my seat. This is a problem. And so they've got all this going on. Acts 15.1 says, Certain people came down from Judea and Antioch and where they were teaching the believers. And they say, listen, unless you guys are circumcised according to the, to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas with sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem and see the apostles and the elders about this question. Okay, so what happens is they hear what's going on, that all these other people are coming to their crew. And so they go to this church where this is happening. They say, hey, you can't be with us unless you're circumcised. You can't be, you can't be saved. They don't even say you can't be in the church. They say you can't be saved unless you're circumcised. And what happens is they've become a little confused. They've confused church tradition with what is necessary for salvation. They have confused the practices of their denomination with what is necessary to give your life to Jesus Christ. They confused their custom with the blood of the Lamb. This is a problem. So they're confusing things, and they're trying to make it complicated, and so this, this debate takes place, takes place, and it's a church meeting. And, and you got two, you got, you got two sides. Y'all ever seen uh, Marvel Infinity War, or Civil War, where all the Avengers are fighting against each other? Like, this is, no, just me, okay. But you've got, you've got two different sides, and, and they're, they're all supposed to be on the same team, but now they're in this debate. It's, it's like a big church meeting, and everybody's angry. And in the midst of this church meeting, it's getting tense, Peter speaks up. Acts 15, 7. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. This is so good, guys. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. I can promise you the room was dead silent. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. Praise God. Gosh, I mean, that's so, he's like, he's like, no, no, hold on, guys. You, you've made a mistake here. 
You've made a mistake. It's by grace we have been saved. We're asking them to hold up standards that we couldn't even hold up. Don't you remember that God came because we couldn't hold up the legalistic standards that we had? And now we're putting legalistic standards on new people to exclude them from the church? Don't ever, ever, ever get this twisted. It isn't the denomination that saves them. It isn't baptism that saves them. It isn't knowing, growing, giving, serving, praising that saves them. It is the blood of Christ that saves people. And there is nothing that can be added or taken away from that ever. And we, we got to get that. And listen, th there's rituals for the church. And th there's things you should do to be part of a body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to come to Christ, you give your life to him. He's already given his blood to you. And he's like, man, and then, and then in my favorite, this is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. This one, this one is, and y'all are going to see why in a second. No, this one really is. Acts 15, listen to this, 15, 19. So James, the brother of Jesus, has been sitting there just waiting his turn. This is Jesus', this is Jesus stepbrother, so he, he's got some clout in the whole movement, right? And James sits there, and he listens, and then he steps up, and he says, It's my judgment, therefore that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, tell them to abstain from food polluted by idols and from sexual morality and from the meat of strangled animals and from the blood. Okay, what James has just said is, guys, don't complicate this for people. He says, yeah, there are some things you should consider when you're, when you're part of a body, but he's agreeing with Peter. You, those things aren't necessary for salvation, you don't need to do those things. But if you're going to join this body, saved people should look different than the world around them. And circumcision will no longer be the way we look different. The way we look different now is we'll abstain from sexual morality and we'll do some food things, which later on Paul actually goes back and says, don't even worry about the food things. They never change the sexual morality thing. So apparently that's an important standard for us. But at some point he goes back and says, don't worry about the food. But what he's saying is, we're no longer making Jews. We're not creating Jews. We're not creating Baptists or Presbyterians or Methodists. Or we're not creating Grace Church members. We're creating the body of Christ. And this is going to look different than it's ever looked before. It's a brand new thing. It's different. But it's better. And so we're going to invest in each other. We're going to invest in each other's lives. And what, what they were trying to do, what they were creating was a place where, you know, uh, people of all different colors could come together. What they were trying to create was a place where all different people of different uh, socioeconomic or political backgrounds could come together and worship together. What they were trying to do was create a place where uh, it didn't look like the world because the world wants to divide us and the world wants us separated by our differences and by our income and by our education. All they wanted to create a place where there was a mysterious unity that the world did not understand. And so that's what they're doing, and they're purposely investing in this. They're not just sitting back and saying, man, I sure hope Gentiles show up one day. I sure hope, I sure hope they come to our church one day. No, they're going to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth to bring people back to create a diverse body of Christ that looks a little bit more like heaven. And they're investing in this and they're giving their lives to this. And I don't believe that this is just a mandate for a far-off church in a far-off place in a far-off time. I believe this is for us. I believe that through this portion of, of Acts, God is speaking a word into this room today. 
a couple weeks ago, I don't remember, I think it was two, three weeks ago, I don't remember. But I came up here to, to, to do my part, to do the message, and I looked out at the room, and I don't remember if it was 10 o'clock or 11.30, but it was the most diverse I'd ever seen this face in my entire life. And I was overcome by the beauty. And I'm not just talking about different colors, and there were different colors, which was gorgeous. But there was different, like, I saw addicts sitting next to doctors. I mean, I, I just, I saw blue collar sitting next to white collar. I saw so, I saw people who I knew were Democrats. <laughs> they told me in secret. And they were sitting next to you. They were amongst you. Sprinkled in and you didn't even know it. Like, I saw so much diversity in this space. And you know what I thought? Thy kingdom has come. This is what it's supposed to look like. But let, let me tell you this, if that happens, it, if, if we really want to create a place that's different, it means it won't always look like it's always looked. It means there may be different lines at the coffee pot. It means someone may be in your seat. It means we may sacrifice what was to create what God is calling us to be. And the death cry of the church is a bunch of people sitting around going, man, I missed the way it was. We're moving to something new. And it's a little scary. And it should be. It should be. Because when we embrace creating a place that is truly, truly looks like what they created in Acts, it's not always easy. And you can't sit back and wait for it. You can't just sit back and wait for it. You have to go and make it happen. You have to work for these things. And as our community grows and changes, we're going to have a million opportunities to create an even more diverse body of Christ in this place. As a matter of fact, we've seen organizations that do this. One thing I've learned, and my mom will tell you this because she's worked with addictions for, I don't know, how, 70, 80 years. Mom, you've worked, with them for a long, you've worked with them for a long time. And um, that's my mom. That's how we play. And so, uh, but mom will tell you this, and this is the truth. Addiction does not care about the color of your skin. It doesn't care about how much money you make. It doesn't care about where you went to high school. It doesn't care about where you live. It doesn't care about what your mama did. Addiction is one of the most diverse, welcoming things the world has ever seen. And if we're going to fight that, we must become more diverse and more welcoming than the disease we're fighting. We must be a better alternative. And so one of the organizations that we're supporting is an organization called the Nehemiah House. Yeah, amen. It's an organization that helps people with treatment and recovery. And when they are here, our diversity quotient goes up astronomically. Because they are a group that believes in unity in unity through diversity. In creating unity and diversity. And realizing you have a common enemy and so you work together. And when you do things like that, you bring together people from other sides of the track. You bring together people from other neighborhoods. You bring together people from other ideas and other thoughts and other political orientations. And so when you create something like that, you purposely invest in creating diversity. And this is one of the reasons that we're going to invest in this place even more than we ever have. I was talking to Tim, my buddy who, who works there. He's, uh, Tim, what's Tim, the manager, general? What are you, Tim? What's your title over there, Nehemiah? You got a title? Just Tim, the man? All right. <laughs> I talked to Tim, and he said, you know, Tommy, for, for $30,000, we could have 10 more beds, and we could have 10 more people. And uh, he wasn't asking us for anything. We offered. And so this year, we're going to donate $30,000 to the Nehemiah House so that 
they can have 10 more beds and 10 more people and 10 more, 10 more reasons to fight, 10 more reasons to unify. And our only request is y'all come here and hang out with us from time to time and help us with what we're doing. And guys, we may do that today. We, we may have the $30,000 today. I don't know what's in your heart. We're also trying to get two, I'm telling you all now, we're trying to get two buses to go recruit people. We're doing everything we can. And if you're uncomfortable with this, just stick around. You'll be all right. It'll be all right. You'll adapt. <laughs> we are going to be a people who pursue the kind of unity and diversity that the Bible so clearly spells out. And so if that's what you're into, ride with me. If it's not what you're into, just stick around. You'll be all right. I believe that this isn't just a story for a far-off place and a far-off people. And I believe there is great beauty and great diversity. And I believe when you get to heaven, you are going to find your, yourself in an incredibly diverse environment. So perhaps we should start practicing. It's the Word of God for the people of God. Let's live like we believe. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.